Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Welcome, everybody. You may be seated. Thank you so much for coming today. Uh, it is my profound privilege to stand in this pulpit. Um, 17 years, that's a long time, huh? I bet you things didn't hurt as much back 17 years ago as they do now. Praise the Lord. Um, how many of you appreciate your pastor and Jeannie so much? Aren't they awesome? <laughs> Praise the Lord. One thing I've discovered is people need a pastor because a lot of times we just don't know how to connect the dots properly. And when our man of God comes and biblically clarifies our navigation through our life, sometimes that insight prevents a whole bunch of drama in our pajama. Amen, somebody? And it prevents the issues that cause us to use tissues. So uh, I so appreciate Pastor Dwayne all these years. I'm not so sure uh, his level of discernment bringing me in here 17 years in a row, but uh, I'll take it because I I love it. So um, this morning I want to talk to you about God's key, really, for you to experience satisfaction, happiness, joy, and, uh, and contentment in your life. There really is uh, something to the fact that God created you and me. And God doesn't just create things just to create them because he has the power to create, but that God has a purpose for everything that he creates. And we are the marquee creation of God. We are what God uh, loves, what God bankrupt heaven to win back, to buy back. And so inside of every single person in this room, uh, even in the balcony, this applies to you too, that there is a purpose inside of your life. There is a purpose for your life. There's a purpose on your life. And the pursuit of purpose will produce the fruit of promise. God makes all kinds of promises to us, but our promises or God's promises will go unrealized or not possessed unless we are functioning in purpose. So purpose is the key. Uh, um, One Mother and father came to uh, me one time and um, they said, I said to them, we were talking about their kids. I said, well, well you know, what kind of kids do you, are you trying to raise here? Because they were having some dramas with their children. And, and I, I said, you know, what, 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 what kind of kids, well, we just want to raise our happy kids. We want to ra- raise happy kids. I said, listen, happiness is not a pursuit, it's a fruit. You do, you do not want to raise ki- happy kids. You want to raise kids on purpose, and then they'll be happy. If your children are on purpose, then the fruit of that purpose will be they're happy. But if you pursue happy, you might miss purpose. Because how do you really measure happiness? How do you really, uh, uh, how can you tell if you're actually achieving happiness? Because happiness moves around all over the place. And, and what makes you happy today may not, may not make you happy tomorrow. But, but purpose is consistent. So the Bible says in 1 John that as Jesus is, so also are we all in this world. 
as he is, so also are we in this world. Now, does that mean that we're a bunch of mini gods? No, it means that we are in purpose as Christ is, so also are we. In other words, Christ's purpose becomes our purpose in this world. So whatever Jesus came to do, we must continue to do if we are going to live fulfilled, satisfied, happy, content lives. And how many of you know that when you're not happy on the inside, when you're not content on the inside, when you're not satisfied on the inside, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for love in too many faces. I mean, you go to the honky-tonk and you're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? You're looking for love and then you're two-stepping your way straight to hell. Come on, somebody. I mean, it just doesn't work out very well. Amen. You thought you thought he was Mr. Right, and he's just Mr. Right now. And now you're his baby's mama. Come on, somebody. And he was just Mr. Right now. You're like, what did I do? Well, I was just looking for love in the wrong place. I was I was pursuing what only purpose could fulfill somewhere outside of my purpose. When you get calibrated to purpose, then all of a sudden your life takes on this dimension where nothing in this world can satisfy, nothing in this world can compare. So if we'll get calibrated and cooperated and and cooperated with Christ's purpose that's deposited in us, our life becomes a life full of promise because the promise is in the purpose. God will not, will not release his promise to someone who's not on purpose, in, on his purpose. So first thing that Jesus came to do, the Bible says, is he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So the very first thing we have to understand about our existence on this planet is that it can't just be all about me. It can't just be, you are not going to be happy if all you do is walk around with your nose in your navel. Come on, somebody. It's not going to work if you're a navel gazer, if you're examining every nook and cranny and every idiosyncrasy and, uh, 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 and everything in your life and making sure that every part of our life has to include, I'm on the lookout to put somebody who's on the highway to hell in the crosshairs of my prayers and get them born again, snatch them out of darkness and put them into the kingdom of light. I got to find, some of us look harder for lost keys than we do lost people people you announce to the whole family where are my keys at they're in your pocket dad I knew that let's go to church but but sometimes we look harder for lost items than we do for lost people sometimes we have lost people in our own houses well, I'm, no, I don't want to turn my children off to God if I bring them to church now. I don't want to turn them off to God. That's like saying you're going to turn them off to food if you make them eat dinner. I don't want to turn my kids off to education so they don't have to go to school unless they want to. If you're in my house, you're in God's house, or go live in the outhouse. Amen, somebody? That's the way we roll around here. Because your purpose is in God. we got to seek and save that which was lost. Part of our life has to include reaching out. Part of our destiny has to include reaching out. Looking out for people who don't know the Lord. I had uh, dinner with this young man uh, in Chicago. I've been in Chicago the last few days preaching. 
And there was this young man who used to work for this international ministry. If I mentioned the name, you would know. And he has since ch- changed his vocation and now he's doing something else and when I saw him he used to be in my church and then he moved to Chicago and while I was there I had dinner with him and when I saw him I could tell his fire was going out when he was in my church he was on fire he was tithing he was praying for people he was like on the prayer team, he was constantly bringing people to, to church. He married this cute little girl, and they were, they were in, over, over, over our house all the time. And, and when I saw him Thursday night, I looked at him. I said, dude, with all due respect, and he still considers me his pastor. I said, you still consider me your pastor, right? He goes, yeah. I said, you're backsliding. He goes, what? I said, where's your fire at? I said, when was the last time you did something for God for the first time? When was the last time he's just looking at me? I said, let me tell you something. Your wife married a man on fire. If that fire starts going out, I don't know what's going to happen with your wife and you. If you stop being the spiritual leader that God called you to be, the way you get back on track is you stop being selfish. And stop making it all about us. And we all have a tendency to do that, don't we? But part of our purpose is reaching the lost at any cost. Because when you do that, you get happy. Somebody say amen. Okay, so the second part, the second part of why Jesus came was the second purpose was, the Bible says, and Jesus, the Son of Man appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the enemy. To destroy the works of the devil. How many of you know the devil is constantly trying to work on destroying you, killing you, stealing from you? But the reality is that our purpose is to kill him and all of his work. We're supposed to dismantle the deception of our enemy. We're supposed to unwind his wickedness on our generation. See, see what we need to understand is that, that we hold the power to heal our land. God said in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 7, he said, if my people who are called by my name, how many of you know that we, we are called by the name that's above everything that's named? Listen to me. Listen, this world has all kinds of names. This world has the name of addiction and cancer and, 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 and abortion and molestation and, and anger and, and grief and discouragement and suicide. And everything has a name, but we are called by the name that's above everything that's named. Everything that's named has got to bow its knee and confess that the name we're called by is Lord and that God is going to win. See, see, the Lord wants us to know that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. The word wicked means, it it comes from the uh, uh, old English word wick. Where you take one strand of truth and you twist it with two lies. And our culture is Constantly trying to water down and, and weaken God's word in our mouth. And then we put one little strand of truth in there and we twist it with two strands of a lie and we light it and we tell people that's the lamp to walk by. 
And the reality of our lives is that we do not dumb God's word down to our culture. What we do is we pray God's word into our culture and our culture will get healed. Listen, if God's people pray, everybody gets healed. If God's people will humble themselves, everybody will get lifted up. It's our call, amen, to undo the works of our enemy. Listen, America's facing some stuff, man. We got more issues than Barnes and Noble's magazine section. We got issues everywhere. We got transgender issues. We got gay marriage issues. We got racial issues. We got financial issues. We got leadership issues. We got education issues. And listen, how many of you know that nobody comes to Jesus after an argument? When the apostle Paul... When Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul, the Christians in Syria did not run out to the ro- on the road to Damascus and say, get out off that mule, Saul, and let's talk about this. They prayed and sent Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Boom, shakalakalaka. He just knocked him on his donkey, didn't he? He knocked him off his donkey, onto his donkey, praise the Lord. And then what did Saul do? Uh, who are you? Uh, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus who you're jacking with. Now stop being a murderer. You're going to become a minister and get up on purpose. Read it in Acts chapter 26. He said, now get up on purpose. So, so listen, if we would stop arguing with people that need Jesus and pray for them, listen, we're a church for all people. We're not soft on sin. We're just strong on God. That's what we are. And we love all people. I was preaching in my church the other day, and, and I, I just said, listen, uh, we got to quit. We got to stop avoiding calling sin, sin. When the woman was caught in adultery, Jesus said, look, I'm cool. Where are those who condemn you? No one doth condemn me, Lord, neither do I. And then what did he say? Now go and sin no more. Listen, Jesus didn't say, I'm okay with what you did. He said, no, what you did caused a bunch of people with Bibles in one hand and a rock in another hand. You almost got stoned up in here. I rescued your messed up self. Now, if you do not understand, you can't do that again or you're going to get another one of these stoning opportunities. And sin will mess you up, but Jesus rescued her just like he's rescued you and me. But he didn't say, I'm okay with what you did. He said, I forgive what you did. So we're not going soft on sin. That ain't never going to happen if I got a microphone and a mouth. But what I'm not going to go soft on and what I'm going to go big on is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if there's no shame in my game in Jesus' name and my sin's on him and his righteousness is on me, I'm going to walk like that, somebody. But don't tell me sin is okay. Huh. Hold on for a minute. Good job. Thank you very much. Okay, so. We got to destroy the works of the enemy. The Bible says that the children of this age are wiser than God's people. Now, what does that mean? That the world's smarter than us? No, the world knows more about the broken system than we know about the redeemed system. And if we try to engage the world on their playing field, we're going to get beat. 
But, when, but the world can't compare with the power of God's people when we pray. The world doesn't have an answer for when Jesus shows up. The world doesn't, I mean, what, what would happen to the president of the United States if Jesus showed up in the Oval Office like he showed up on the road to Damascus and said, boom, sorry, Obama, who are you, Jesus? Yeah, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Now stand up and turn this nation back to God. That's not going to happen by arguing. That's going to happen by praying. I don't know where that came from. Maybe everything I said was God up until that point, and now I'm going to get back to what God is saying. I don't know about that, but we got to pray. We have got to pray. And then the third thing was that Jesus came to give us the abundant life. Uh, everybody knows that the devil came, but we sometimes forget that Jesus came too. I know the devil came. To, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, and I came. So let's quit focusing on the fact that the devil's around and let's start focusing on the fact that Jesus is around too and that he came to give us abundant life. And our abundant life promise is stronger than the, the predictable dismantling and decomposition of your destiny. That's the agenda of the thief. I don't care what he came to do. Jesus showed up too. I'm going to get on the other side with Jesus. Devil, do your worst. I got the Lord Jesus on my side and you are defeated. And I got the abundant life waiting for me to just live it. Amen, somebody? So part of your purpose, listen, part of your purpose has got to be abundance. God tells us to take care of the poor. How are we going to take care of the poor if we are the poor? Come on, somebody. We have got to be baptized with blessing and then baptized with generosity. The abundant life. We got so much that it just spills over into everybody else. We're doing so good. We got so much joy, so much love, so much hope. Our dream is so big that it's too big for just me. I got to include, I got to draw my circle big because my dream's big. Why? It's the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Now, huh? if God then is able to cause these purposes to be activated in the life of a Christian, then our purpose includes an understanding that this is a process. How many of you know that you just don't wake up and take a victory vitamin, drink some Jesus juice, take a bath in holy water, take a microwave bath for three minutes and come out and voila, you're mature. How many know it's a process? How many know that you just, what you are today isn't what, what you were yesterday and it's not what you're going to be tomorrow? That God actually has a process that we're in, but there's power for the process. And sometimes we uh, get caught up or clogged up with the crisis that sometimes show up in the process. Listen, if you're married, you've had a crisis. If you have kids, you've had a crisis. If you're born, you have a crisis. Come on, somebody. If you're breathing air, you've been in a crisis. You might not be in one now, but you were in one. And if you're not in one right now, one's a coming. Come on, somebody. It's just incident to the human condition. We go through times of crisis. We have crisis in the church. Why? Because you're here. Hey, man, you brought them with you. Praise the Lord. I don't know. And like all these people up in here, there's some crisis going on. Amen. Now, we're not a church in crisis, but we have a church that sometimes has crisis. And, and what powers you through crisis? Your faith. 
The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world. The brokenness of the world, the system of this world. And that is our faith. So as long as you are not having a crisis of faith, you can power through the crisis in your world. How do you know you're having a crisis of faith? It only happens when you abandon your post. When you're having a marital crisis and you say, you know what, I'm going to stop being your husband. Now you're in a crisis of faith and there is no power to power through the marital crisis because you abandoned your post. When the wife says, I'm out of here. No, you're in a crisis, but it only becomes a crisis of faith when you abandon your post. The church might go through a hit. What do do you think? The devil likes us? What do you think? The media is our friend? What do you think? That they, they just want to celebrate what God's doing in your life? Are you kidding me? The world hates us, and the world's mouthpiece is the media. So we're going to believe the media instead of what God says? We have a crisis when we believe the world over his word, and we abandon the po- our post. You don't ever leave this church until you're sent. Or you'll go in no power. When people leave as a result of a crisis is because they left their power. Because our faith, when we come together, will power through whatever the devil throws at us. Amen, somebody? So don't you abandon your post. Habakkuk said, I will station myself on the wall. I ain't moving off of what God told me to do. I'm stationing myself. And then I'm going to see what he's going to say to me. And what it means is we're going to see who wins when me and God argue. And when me and God argue, it's always about are you going to leave your post or are you going to stay on your post? Amen. Are you going to stay in your marriage? You're going to leave your marriage. You're going to stay uh, in that business or you're going to leave that business. You're going to stay believing in people or you're going to walk out on people. What are we going to do? I will station myself on the wall. I'm not moving and I'm not leaving. Amen. 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 So this is part of the abundant life. We have to keep the faith. It's not that our faith prevents crisis. It just powers us through crisis. Amen. Because this is a fallen world that we live in. So it's a progressive process. And we have to understand that if everything in God has a purpose and every purpose contains a promise, then what we need to understand that everything that happens in our life, God uses for good to assist us in fulfilling the promise that we possess that has the promise on the inside of us. Now, so the Bible says in Romans eight twenty eight, we know that all things work together for good. Everybody say good. It's all good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. When we're on purpose, everything that happens, happens to be something that God uses to turn around for our good. No matter what you're facing right now, no matter what you're going through in the balcony, no matter what's happening on the floor or on the side, God can use what's happening right now and flip the script on it. There's a gift in it for you and me because we're on purpose and the purpose that we possess is stronger than the pain and the, prox- and the proximity of the problem in our life or the prognosis or whatever. God can use it all for our good if we're on purpose. So I'm sitting with uh, the Bishop of Ghana about 25 years ago. This changed my life. 
And this man's name is Nicholas Duncan Williams. And he's uh, this big old African man, big dude. Wears one of them nightgown things. Just big. I don't know what he's got going on under there, but he's just got it all. He's got, he's got the hat and the beads made out of coconuts, and he's just one of these big African men. Like, and I admired him greatly. And he is one of 39 kids. Yeah, yeah. I thought Samuel was getting busy. This guy's dad, one of 39 kids. And uh, every time I see Samuel, his wife's pregnant, I'm like, what are you, from Africa? What are you doing? <laughs> so, and, and Nicholas Duncan Williams' dad was a, uh, like a voodoo uh, witch doctor guy. And when Nicholas was 16, his dad had him in a demonic trance. These are his words. And he had him hold his hand over a candle until these three fingers fell off. And when he preaches, he just preaches with these two and three nubs. And he holds the microphone like this. And, but he doesn't care. He's an he's a animal for God, you know. And so he, uh, when he was 16, he's in this. And, he, and out of that experience... The Holy Spirit comes to him and says, I'm calling you to be a minister of the gospel. And he has over 20,000 West Africans in his church now. Well, I'm sitting with him at dinner one night. And he talked like this. He said, tell me your story, young man. I'm like, okay. And at that time, I was dealing with betrayal. I was dealing with my spiritual father hurting me. I was dealing with disappointments. I was dealing with uh, something that ambushed me, that hurt my heart. We all have had these episodes in our life. And I was just spewing this hurt, negative thing out. And he's listening to me. And he said, okay. He said, let me tell you something. I said, all right. He said, until you see the hand of God in all of it. You will remain a boy of God. You will never be a man of God. He said, and boys of God do not reproduce. They don't disciple. They're all by themselves alone. He said, but when you see God's hand in it and see the gift in it, you'll become a man. And then he said something that made so much impact on me. He said, and when you become a man, Steve, you'll be dangerous. And I remember going, I would rather be dangerous than hurt. Amen, somebody? I would rather have the power of God than the power of my pain operating in my life. So what we need to understand is that our purpose is stronger than our pain. Our purpose powers us through all of it. But we've got to be on purpose. What's our purpose? Seek and save that which was lost. Destroy the works of the enemy and live the abundant life. So how does this happen? What happens in this situation? How does God bring this about? Well, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and following, he says... This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church of Philippi, which gives me hope because he's writing the Bible. He's the Apostle Paul. And he says, now listen, verse 12, not that I have already obtained it. I don't already have a hold of all of my purpose. Or I haven't become perfect, but 
I press on in order that I might lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on for the goal of the prize of the upward call of God, the purpose of God, the call by his name purpose that is in Christ Jesus. So listen, God didn't get a hold of you just to get a hold of you. God got a hold of you to get a hold of something. God didn't get a hold of you just to get a hold of you so y'all could cuddle. God got a hold of you to get a hold of something. And the Apostle Paul says, I know God got a hold of me, but I haven't got a hold of what God got a hold of me to get a hold of. But one thing I know, I'm forgetting what lies behind because I got something I got to get a hold of. How do I know I got to get a hold of something? Because God got a hold of me. And he just didn't get a hold of me to get a hold of me. He got a hold of me to get a hold of something. And I haven't got a hold of all that God has got a hold of me to get a hold of. Amen, somebody? But one thing I'm doing, I'm forgetting the good of the past, the bad of the past, the blast of the past. And I'm just going to press on to get my purpose activated. So let me show you how this works. Daniel, come here. You be God. I didn't know God was so sexy. Come on, somebody. I didn't know God wore white shoes. Come on, man. So God is going to get a hold of me, and then I need uh, you three people right here. One, two, three. Can yet? Yeah, can this lady help? She's not even paying attention. What am I up here doing? You looking at somebody's outfit or something? Get up here. She's like, I really like that woman's ensemble. It's just so sweet. I just. Oh, is someone preaching? Okay, never mind. Come on, come on. Girls, run up here like you just robbed a Seven Eleven and you stole something, and the police are coming. There you go. Get behind this man where you belong. No, I'm just kidding. Go get in front of him. Get in front of him. Just turn this way. You face that way and you face that way. Thank you so much. Now, God, come get a hold of me. God got a hold of me. Now, some people think God just gets a hold of them so they could just like put their head on my shoulder. Huh. Tell me that you love me, baby. Huh. We just think, come get a hold of me. Like, come get me, come get me. Sometimes we just think that we're just supposed to stand here with God. Oh, this is so nice. (laughs) This is what we think our relationship with God. You're just too good to be true. I can't take my eyes off of you. (laughs) You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much. At long last, love has arrived. Right? And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. That's what we think. We're just going to sit here with Jesus and we're just going to be like this. No, Jesus got a hold of us to get a hold of something. God didn't, God didn't get a hold of us just to get a hold of us so we can sing songs to him. God got a hold of us to get a hold of something. Now, what the Apostle Paul is saying is, I got a hold of something right now, but I don't have a hold of all that I'm supposed to get a hold of. And sometimes God gets a hold of us, and then we get a hold of it right here. And then go ahead and get a hold of your next thing. And then what we got a hold of gets a hold of that. And then with that, now that we got a hold of this, and that got a hold of that, and then that gets a hold of that. And see, this is the process, but God didn't just get a hold of you to get a hold of you. 
God got a hold of you to get a hold of some purpose. And then the purpose that you got a hold of is going to get a hold of more purpose. And then it's going to get a hold of more purpose. And this is the progression. And this situation right here creates fulfillment and satisfaction and happiness and joy and empowerment and contentment in your life so you don't have to go looking everywhere else except God it's all the promises in the purpose amen somebody all right let's give these guys a hand thank you so much thanks God so this is what happens we need to understand, somebody get on the piano, please. Play a little Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons for me. <laughs> Play Swear to God or something like that, that song. <sighs> but sometimes our life doesn't work. Sometimes our life excludes God and we're trying to make that life work. And until we let God get a hold of us, and get his hands on us and release the purpose in us, we're constantly looking for what only purpose can provide. And if our life isn't anything more than consuming and taking and having Big Mac attacks and running around trying to fulfill our own vacancies with something that only God's purpose can fulfill we're going to constant be, constantly be in this search for what we can never find but when we come to God when we accept his sacrifice who is his only begotten son and when we put our life in his hands and let his hands get a hold of our life and then we start getting a hold of why we're here. Two great days in the life of a human being. One is when they're born. And the other one is when they figure out why. And let me tell you why you're here. To seek and to save that which was lost. To destroy the works of the enemy. And to live the abundant life. That's why you're here. I would like everyone in this great church and in the balcony to stand. And as you stand, don't come across the aisles, but I want you to take somebody's hand. Everybody be touching somebody. I know some of the teenage young men are like, I ain't holding hands. Look, Daniel held me up here for 10 minutes. You could take somebody's hand for a minute. And you're here this afternoon. Man, I feel the Lord here right now. You sense his wonderful presence. And you're here today and you're not right with God. You have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've just been running around trying to feel happy. And you've tried everything and nothing works, nothing lasts. And Jesus can satisfy. He's the cup that won't run dry. And you're here today and you're like, Hage, I have never really accepted the Lord. I know all about him, but I don't know him. I've been in church my whole life and I'm great with religion, but I don't know anything about relationship with God. I want the real Jesus. Or you're here today and you once walked with God 
but you took a hit and you spun out. And you're away from him now. And it's not what happened to you that you can't get over. It's the lie that came through the door of what happened to you that you can't get over. You're not on plan B. You're on his plan. There is no plan B. You're it. God has so much riding on the obedience of his people. If we don't say yes, then who will? If we don't pray, who will? My grandson said to me the other day, why don't people, he said, why are people so mean to each other? He's five. I said, well, I don't know. They probably haven't been trained by the Lord. He said, well, why don't they just accept the Lord? I said, well, sometimes people aren't ready till they're ready. He goes, how rude. (laughs) Jesus is standing here asking you the question, what has the devil ever done for you? Then why would you give him one more day? You're here today and you don't know God or you're here today and you walked away from God and you want to come back. I want us all to pray in this place. And let this prayer move you. And if it moves you, it'll move him. So let's pray together, all of us. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, today is my day. I ask you to forgive me right here and right now. I admit it. I've been doing my own thing. I've been going my own way. And I'm turning from that now. And I hear you knocking, Jesus. And I open the door of my heart. I invite you to come in. And Jesus, even if nobody goes with me, still I'm going to follow you. After this moment, I'm never going back to my old life. I'm going on to my new life in Jesus' name. Now, don't let go of that hand. If you prayed that prayer in the balcony, on the floor, on either side, and you said, I came to God for the first time or I came back to him after being gone for a while, and you took that moment, when I count to three, I want you to just gently squeeze the hand of the person that you're holding And when you squeeze that hand, you're saying, I say three. And when you squeeze, you're saying, that's me. Ready? One, two. Don't give the devil another minute of your life. Jesus stands ready to give you power and promise and purpose beyond your wildest dreams. Three, squeeze that hand right now. I'm getting right with God. I'm getting right with God. I'm not fooling around with my destiny for another second. I'm going to live on purpose. I'm going to stand for God and stop falling for everything. Now, someone squeezed your hand. I'm going to count to three again. And when I say three, if someone squeezed your hand, I want you to just lift it to God. Ready? One, two, three. Lift it right now. Boom. Boom. Leave it up. Leave it up. All over. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. Don't clap yet. Don't clap. Now, if someone has your hand in their hand... 
I'm going to count to three one more time. And when I say three, I, I want you to say, come on, I'll go with you. And I want you to bring them right down here to pastor and me. Ready? One, two, three. Come right now. This is not a negotiation. Just bring them. Come on. Come on, church. Now you can clap. Come on. Let's praise the Lord like your mama's getting saved. Amen. Come to Jesus. Here they come, man. We're not giving the devil another day of our destiny. We're going to live on purpose with power full of promise. Come to the Lord. Come on. Come on. This is the greatest moment of your life. It's the first day of the rest of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Make room. They're still coming. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Proud of y'all. Come close. Love it. Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> I look better up close, huh? What's so funny? No, I'm just kidding. Every sin, yeah. Okay, look at me. Listen to me. Every sin that you ever committed, every mistake you've ever made, brother, it's gone. It's gone. You're free. You're like, can you explain that to me? No. Jesus loves you so much. What's your name? Alan? Look at me, man. There ain't nothing back there for you. It's all in front of you. You're going to have to change some friends. You're going to have to change some things. You're going to have to forgive some people for hurting you. But God's about to catapult you into a destiny. You're not even going to recognize yourself in a year. Amen, somebody? Alan, you got this going on. Do not mess this up. Don't go back. Go on. Every mistake. Y'all, don't be fooling around with your destiny. Don't be careless with this. This isn't like we're not playing Monopoly. We're not fooling around. This ain't the lotto. You guard your hearts. You save yourselves. You listen to what the Lord says. I'm not some stuffy, weird, tight, wound, religious idiot. I'm telling you. There's so much purpose on the inside of you guys. And you're going to have to cut off some things like you cut fat off a steak. You might eat the fat on the steak. I cut it off. I'm from California. In fact, I don't even eat steak because, anyway. We eat granola for dinner. Okay, so anyway. But I want you to plug in here. Put your roots down. Make it happen. Every sin, man. You probably had a few. Done. We're done with that season. New chapter. In fact, everything up to this point is blank. It's clean. You got it going on, man. I want you to dive in. Kurt, get up here. I want you to talk to these two young guys. These dudes are these dudes are studs. Get up here. Get up here. 
don't push back on me, sucker. I'll knock you out. Okay. But just love these guys. <laughs> Amen. This is Kurt. He's a pastor of the, of the college age. I want you guys to lock in with him. Amen. You guys, God loves you. I'm so very proud of you. Your future's bright. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.